Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, it's almost inevitable in the hobby that your interests are going to change or evolve over time. Perhaps it's because you're exposed to more and more ideas the longer you're active in the hobby. Maybe you're just tired of the stuff you've been doing. Perhaps you're just interested in a new challenge, or maybe it's because injecting some new ideas into your existing work seems, you know, pretty exciting. I'm not sure exactly why, but over the past few months, maybe the last year, I've started to develop a tiny, tiny, yet, you know, nascent interest in aquatic plants, or should I say, utilizing aquatic plants in my aquariums. Now, I'm not entirely certain what's triggered this change of heart. Perhaps it's as simple as just seeing the amazing aesthetic contrast, which, you know, crisp green leaves, you know, bring to the deep brown water that I love so much. I, I don't know, really. The bottom line is that to me, the whole beauty of the natural botanical method aquarium is how it serves to facilitate interactions and relationships between this wide variety of life forms, ranging from bacteria to plants to insects and of course our fishes. The relationship between the terrestrial elements and the aquatic habitats we love is utterly fascinating to me. Now, I suppose that including plants is becoming more interesting to me simply because it's another example of those inner relationships that make this type of aquarium so compelling. Now, don't get me wrong here. Although plants look amazing and there is sheer brilliance that you can achieve from an aesthetic standpoint by utilizing them in your tank, that's not my main focus. Rather, I'm confident that it's the function part which fascinates me. I, I spent a little time going down the rabbit hole recently watching some old videos of Takashi Amano at work and it's sort of unlocked some things in my mind, I guess. Sure, the man was a brilliant artist and a thought leader in utilizing aquatic plants to spread the message about embracing aspects of nature in our homes. However, somewhere along the line, I think that the aquarium community got it, I don't know, twisted a bit. The emphasis has been so much on the aesthetics and the art that little attention seems to be paid other than the occasional mentions about how we adore nature to the function of plants in an aquatic ecosystem and the benefits that they bring, you know, supporting the entire community of organisms of all types that lives in their tank. Stuff that Amano wrote and talked about extensively. Rather, it seems to this outsider that it's mostly about the aesthetics and the art and that the term nature has simply been used to describe the interpretation of his style. When I listen to his words and, you know, and look at his earlier works from a standpoint of creating an aquatic microcosm in the aquarium, facilitating the growth of microorganisms, small crustaceans and fishes, the whole thing sort of changes in my head. I believe this is what Amana was talking about when he said that classic quote that, you know, to know mother nature is to love her smallest creations. It's kind of amazing. However, here's the part where I piss off a lot of the diehard nature aquarium fans, but I, I do think I'm right here. I think that on some level, we as a community of aquarists have totally misinterpreted that quote and have turned his concepts and philosophies into a sort of a cargo cult, just elevating his words without really thinking about what they meant based more on style and rules and aesthetics than on the substance of them. Celebrating the art without really considering the microcosm aspect, that's so much bigger. Now, a lot of people love the quote I just shared, but they simply don't seem to reflect or discuss the importance of this idea in their work. Now, look, not everyone takes this shallow interpretation, of course. A lot of you are probably really pissed off at me right now for saying that. However, when you look at what is so widely discussed online and elsewhere, it becomes pretty obvious that the holistic philosophy that he advocated seems to have gotten a little less attention over the years. I think I'm sort of with a mono on this one. It's about building a natural 
aquatic ecosystem, nurturing microbial populations to foster a miniature closed ecosystem. Roundabout quotes, roundabout approach here, but but I think that's where I'm at with aquatic plants. I believe that including them in some aquariums can help foster these populations to create these types of ecosystems. Now, there are many who are just wizards out there when it comes to plant care and husbandry, which is amazing. Good for you. Again, I can't help but wonder what would happen if we place greater emphasis on the role of aquatic plants in the context of botanical method aquariums. Now, again, for those of you who are offended by what I was saying about Amano's words and so forth, don't be. Simply think about the concept that he talked about and practice it the way he meant it. I mean, it's weird and it's probably way overreactionary, I know. And I think that it's partially because we as a hobby have for years tried to sanitize nature and place a huge emphasis on form over function. There really is beauty in the silting, decomposing earthy world of the Amazonian agarape, the Asian peat swamp, Malaysian mangal, African forest stream, all that kind of stuff. There's something graceful about the broken branches, accumulating leaves, fungal-covered twigs, and scattered seed pods on the floor of a tropical stream. It's a different mindset for sure. It's not what we have typically appreciated because of our exposure to more artistically interpretive versions of nature in the aquarium world, specifically the planted aquarium world. I think we've spent so much effort distilling, editing, and otherwise sanitizing nature that we might have actually lost sight of its true beauty and how and why natural systems look and function the way they do. I know it's blasphemy to some, no doubt. However, I think I might be at least partially correct here. Notice that I'm actually also a bit ambivalent to the legit biotope aquariums that you see discussed online and in contests and so forth. I think it's because some of the classification strategies and the rules that they've created in that world are just a bit, I don't know, I don't want to say unrealistic, but just overbearing. Perhaps they overreach and, and discourage too many people. Not to criticize that, but that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. It's a little too defined for me. And Amano himself, he understood natural aquatic habitats. He appreciated them for what they were. Now, he loved the use of aquatic plants to represent them. They were his sort of media in creating his works. However, he also understood that there are other natural materials which can be utilized for this purpose and which may be utilized in different ways to express nature in the aquarium. He understood the importance of facilitating the growth of bacterial populations. Think about that. And I can't help but wonder what would Amano think of that cargo cult-like reverence which the aquascaping world has bestowed upon him without evolving his works in any real new directions, or at least making attempts to understand his original philosophies about nature. Oh, I mean, oh, sure, he'd appreciate the amazing talent. He'd love the beautiful tanks, and he'd be flattered by all the, the praise heaped on him. But I can't help but wonder if in his own way he'd look at this and say, really, is that all? He got it. Look, he understood the relationship between nature and art. Absolutely. It's there. He saw beauty in all forms of nature and encouraged us to express these details in our aquariums in many different ways. However, he also understood the importance of, you know, supporting the the variety of organisms in his aquarium systems, despite the heavy emphasis on their appearance. Please seek that out in his work. I'm simply, and even humbly, really, asking for us to look at things in a more open, less nuanced way. I'd love to see us aquarists, at least once in a while, venture way outside of our comfort zones and try something a bit different. To not get so caught up in the names and the titles above comprehending the bigger picture. To look long and hard at the aquatic habitats found in nature and to see the true beauty that's there before we see fit to edit it. Ask yourself why things look the way they do in nature and observe how the fishes which live there interact with their environment. 
Consider how these habitats formed, how they function biologically, and how fishes have adapted to their habitat. Think about the esoteric stuff, like why fishes are shaped or colored the way they are, what kind of foods they might find in these habitats, and why aquatic plants grow there when they do and where they do. Yeah, let's get back to that plants thing again. So again, I greatly admire those of you who do understand and work with aquatic plants. I've had a more and more um, positive experience with them lately, more contact with fellow vendors and hobbyists who specialize in the planted side of aquascaping. And I'm impressed by their ability to know exactly what type of plant to use in a specific situation, how to grow it, how to nurture it, and how to put together a beautiful, you know, artistic aquascape. Now, a lot of the questions that I receive about plants are basically things like, what kind of plants can I use in my black water or tinted water aquarium, Scott? And of course, I can give you some of those textbook type answers about which ones have worked for me. And yeah, that being said, there are some species which are known to come from the aquatic habitats and niches that we actually try to represent in our tanks. And again, if you know me, you're also keenly aware by now that I have this annoying tendency to scan all these scientific papers and a sometimes futile attempt to glean little kernels of knowledge about the natural world that we live in that we can utilize in our aquarium work. Well, here's one I found for you. Uh, two um, biologists, Junk and Playa in 1993, identified, check this out, 388 herbaceous species in the agapos of Rio Negro, notably species of the following genuses. And check these out. Echinodorus, the sword plants, Nymphaea, Cabamba, Utricularia, and Polygonum, or is it polygonum? Polygonum, I think it is, but whatever. We've, we've heard these names. This is significant because we're talking about plants that are actually found in natural blackwater habitats in the wild. Some are aquatics, which we have regular access to in the hobby. Some of these, which many of us have kept at one time or another, right? Some of those, those genus are some of the most popular in the aquarium hobby. If you recall from our past discussions about, I don't know, maybe about three or four or more years ago now, I very successfully uh, successfully kept a large population of poly. I, I, it's got to be polygonum. Tell me it's polygonum and I'll, I'll change it, but I think it's polygonum. I kept that plant in my office um, at that time. It was a real blackwater type aquarium and it thrived. And I thought that was kind of cool. And that was my first exposure to really, really trying a serious attempt at plants in a blackwater tank. As more and more hobbyists from you know, diverse areas of specialization get into this whole botanical method aquarium game, we're seeing more and more experimentation with plants. I love that. And I have a sort of theory that while a lot of plants aren't found in blackwater habitats, many, many species are adaptable to this environment in the aquarium, especially if their lighting and nutritional requirements are met. In general, there's a few issues we should consider when it comes to aquatic plants in blackwater aquariums or tinted water aquariums, whatever we want to call these. The primary one being a theme that we touched on before. It's a known fact that light doesn't penetrate as effectively in the tinted water of blackwater environments. That's one of the reasons you typically don't see a lot of algae in many blackwater systems. And floating plants, of course, tend to do very well because you don't really have that light penetration factor influencing them as much as, say, rooted plants. Light penetration is a limiting factor, other things being more or less equal, right? Well, yeah, you can compensate with brighter light. That's the beauty of LEDs, right? Super controllable. And of course, just having light in our tanks isn't enough. We know this. The other big issue to consider when keeping aquatic plants in blackwater aquariums is that to some extent, the well-trodden opinion that blackwater may be described as more nutrient poor and having a much lower ionic concentrations of calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium than clear water environments looms large. So how do you overcome this? Well, you fertilize your tank just like you do in a clear water traditional planted aquarium system. 
you'll probably have to adjust your doses to compensate for the near lack of those major ions, but it's pretty much that simple in my experience. You'll use more fertilizers and you're growing plants that rely on, you know, if you're growing plants that rely on rich substrates like cryptocarine, I found that you really don't have to do all things all that much differently than you do in a normal old clear water tank. Like use rich substrates and fertilize supplementary as required. And that's it. Easy, right? Well, in theory, I, I recall not too long ago, I was listening to a podcast with George Farmer in it, one of, the, one of our friends of the show here and a very terrific influence on a lot of us. And the episode that I found most interesting, he was talking about substrates, specifically how to utilize various substrate materials for healthy aquatic plant growth. One of the classics that has sort of went this route is a planted aquarium approach called the Wallstead method. Many of you have already heard about it, so I'm going to give you about the most rudimentary and probably awful summation of this concept that you'll ever see. And you can rely on your favorite search engine or whatever to fill in the blanks if you need a refresher or want more detail. The, the gist of our idea is to provide a closed system ecosystem where the plants and fishes work together to provide for each other's needs. Now, unlike a traditional, I say that in air quotes, a traditional planted aquarium, this approach utilizes a substrate comprised of rich soil capped with sand to keep the plants growing healthily and outcompete nuisance algae while providing nutrient export and nitrogen cycling by the, you know, via their very lush growth in the tank. Now, I immediately found this to be fascinating. As a reefer, I locked in on this. As a reef person, you become really attuned to taking care of the ecosystem of your aquarium in order for everything else to thrive. Well, either you learn to look at your reef as a little microcosm and care for the bacteria and the so-called lower life forms in the tank as an important component, or you simply suck as a reefer and your tank will too. I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, as many of you know, reef tanks are absolutely dependent upon your understanding this concept. Nature will hand you your ass on a platter in the form of nuisance algae, dead corals, and maybe even sick fishes if you can't figure this stuff out, period, full stop. Okay, yeah, so everything's interrelated. But the things I like best about this Wallstead approach are that you need to really wait a couple of months or so before adding fishes until the nitrogen cycle stabilizes. And I like the fact that the technique relies far more on nature than it does on CO2 systems, additives, and all sorts of other gear. So yeah, it espouses or requires patience. One of my favorite things, right? It also espouses the learning and embracing of natural processes and rules and eschews gear reliance in favor of brain reliance. How could I not love this stuff? And that ethos just sounds oddly familiar to our work with botanical method aquariums, doesn't it? I'll even forgive the awful and insulting moniker of low-tech that the planted aquarium world describes to this message. I mean, is nature low-tech? Have you ever read a scholarly article about the nitrogen cycle? Absorb that and try to use the term low-tech to describe this stuff. Talk to the guys at NASA who've spent decades studying natural nutrient processing to figure out how to build systems for waste management on future spaceships. Then get back to me with that thought of it being simple. Low-tech. Okay, so wow, I'm going on and on here. But bottom line, I'm more interested in aquatic plants than ever before, which is saying something. And I think that part of it is because there are so many exciting interactions which occur between plants and organisms in aquatic systems. You might actually see me playing with more plants this year. You might. That's crazy. I know. Good times, right? Whole lot of learning and experimenting ahead. Are you guys into this too? I hope so. Let's get after it. Do that work. Execute the experiments. Make the mistakes. Learn the process. Supply patience. You know, rinse and repeat. Stay educated. Stay focused. Stay diligent. Stay open-minded and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tin and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.